Alrighty, hello everybody. Welcome in and welcome back to another episode of the Ryan's Ramble podcast. My name is Ryan Bennell. I'm your host throughout this series. This is almost, but not the last episode of the college football season. Last time out, we didn't have an episode last week, but we did have one a couple weeks ago for Championship Saturday and Things didn't go our way. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. But first things first, if you're unfamiliar with what exactly this podcast is, this is your one-stop shop for all of your sports betting needs here on the Frogs of War Network. And I always like to start things out by saying thank you for uh, to Frogs of War, Melissa, Jamie, everybody, for having this platform. It has been a blast all season, and it was a blast making all these bowl game picks for this massive preview. There's literally so many games to talk about. It It's crunching the numbers looking at the picks i was looking at it for way too long honestly uh, hopefully that helps and doesn't hurt us in the long run but we'll see how it works out based off championship championship week excuse me so yeah like i said there was no games last week other than the uh, army navy game but i thought there really wasn't much of a point in making an episode for just one game so i think i have made picks though this week for at least half of the bowl games i finished with 20 picks which is honestly way too many. That's that's on me. But I couldn't I couldn't take any of them out. I did take out a couple like Purdue over Tennessee. I took Purdue out because I'm just I don't know for some reason a lot of ex- experts quote unquote are really high on Tennessee. Anyway, we'll get into picks. But championship weekend from a fan's perspective was a blast. It, there was a ton of great games, but from a sports better's perspective. We stunk it up. Um, <laughs> I can't wait for the bowl games, though. Like, if they're anything like championship weekend, it's going to be amazing. They got started this morning. I'm actually recording it, uh, this episode, on Friday. So I think right now the uh, Northern Illinois and Coastal Carolina game is going on. So don't have any picks on those, so it works out for timing. I do actually have one for the Saturday games. So And I believe this will either be posted late Friday, early Saturday, one of the two. But it is just looking at all the bowl games, crunching the numbers, yada, yada. It's frustrating just seeing that, you know, TCU is not in the bowl season this year. Didn't make a bowl game one game away. But at the same time, like I was saying on our last episode, kind of like it's kind of just good riddance this season. You know, I'm glad it's over. Say la vie. Let's let's move on to the next on to the Sunny Dykes era. It is what it is, but definitely would have been fun to uh, maybe travel for a bowl game and have the the bowl festivities for the players as well, but we'll get there next year. I'm not too worried. I say that every year, but I also think we're going to win the big 12 possibly every year, but next year, I'm telling you next year, looks like it could be our year. If Zach Evans stays huge, huge. Anyway, though, uh, what we learned last and not even last weekend, I normally, I was about to say just out of habit, what we learned last week, but this one is a little bit different. I normally start off the episodes with a small little segment what we learned last week in terms of how to apply my takeaways, biggest points into next week's picks, but there is no more next week's picks. So this is what we learned this season, not just last week. We learned a bunch of different things. First off, probably the biggest one is that the NIL era will change college football as we know it. There have been transfers left and right, even looking at uh, national signing day with the recruits. Um, the number one recruit in the nation, Travis, oh, I'm forgetting his name. I think it's Travis Hunter, Travis something. He was a cornerback committed to Florida state five-star number one in the country and flipped to Jackson state with Deion Sanders last minute. So, and a lot of rumors has it that it was because he has like a $1.5 million NIL deal with Barstool. Who's also connected with Deion Sanders. So like there was a whole thing, which 
also makes me question when is he going to transfer? How long is Deion Sanders going to stay there? There's a whole bunch of question marks around there, but it's interesting to see. Definitely shakes things up. I will say that. Um, and I mean, nice to you know show the HBCUs love. It's nice to like spread out the talent rather than just have every blue chip recruit go to Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, so on and so forth. But the NIL era is going, it's going to be weird. It's already even changed the head coaching market, which is my next point. That's another thing we learned is that the head coaching market in college football has evolved drastically over this past season or two. I mean, look at the contracts these guys are, are signing. Like Lincoln Riley, it was like $110 million or something with a $6 million mansion and a private jet. Like, what? The, they're getting more and more expensive. It's just like, I don't know how many of you guys watch, you know, European soccer, but for like the Premier League per se, lately like the market for players has just like – a player that used to be $20 million is now worth like $70 million. It's just like – and it seems like that's kind of happening right now with college football and coaches that these guys the, – it's just inflating. Like basically their contracts are inflating. The prices to sign these guys are inflating. Everything is inflating with college football and especially in the NIL era now. There's more money involved and less loyalty involved with the coaching system in college football, which will that be a good thing? I don't know. I'm kind of hesitant on that because I, I miss the days where like eventually I feel like it's going to come to the time where the rivalries mean nothing. You know, I was watching the uh, the Michigan Ohio State, like the game documentary about like the history of it and whatnot. And it just seems like back in the day it was way more. What's the word I'm looking for? Real. I mean, like the rivalry was a true rivalry. They hated one another. The coaches like just obsessed over beating that team all season. But nowadays, like, sure, it's a big deal, but it's like, it just doesn't seem as special. And maybe that's because of the money getting involved with the sport. So who knows where we're heading? It's definitely changing for sure. Um, I don't really have a solid, like, take on on anything. I do, of course, I support the NIL. I think it's great for the players to have that opportunity. But do I support paying head coaches $12 million a year? Probably, probably not. Probably not. So we'll see what happens there. But Next thing we learned is that aside from coaching and money is that no team in college football is a sure thing, you know, because I would have said this about Alabama, which honestly, if anybody's a sure thing year in and year out, it would be Alabama. But for my point, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, I would have said that those are automatic lock, probably at least 11 wins conference title guaranteed, especially Clemson and Bama. But look at Clemson. I mean, Clemson's really the biggest example, like why I'm saying this. But I mean, they finished nine and three, didn't even make the ACC title game against Pitt and Wake Forest, which I mean, they had hell of a season. But historically speaking, that really shouldn't be happening for Clemson. So I don't know. It was just crazy. I guess you really can't bet in terms of like betting wise. Clemson was minus 750 favorites to win the ACC, which means you'd have to bet per se like 750 just to get $100 back which is ridiculous, not even worth the risk, obviously, because it didn't even work out. So just no no team is a sure thing, especially in modern college football. You could even consider Ohio State uh, as a letdown. I mean, they went 10-2. and two. They lost an out-of-conference game, didn't even make the, the Big Ten title game. They lost their biggest rivalry game for the first time in, like, I think it was like nine years, something like that. I don't even know. A long time. So you could definitely say they were a letdown. So... Yeah, no, nobody's a sure thing. But another team in specific that 
was I mean they did well this year. I can't really gripe on them too much, but they're not a sure thing when it comes to bowl season, which is the theme of this episode, and that's Notre Dame. And one of our season takeaways is that Notre Dame is incapable of winning national title games or really just bowl games in general, thanks to um, Brian Kelly and his lovely quotes after leaving for LSU. Also speaking, I just have to mention this, speaking of Brian Kelly at LSU, you guys have to look, if you haven't seen it already, the video of him dancing, I forget the recruit's name, but he was like in some fancy media room with like lights and like a spinning camera, and he was just dancing like little guns up like this and just, I don't know, it was the most awkward, uncomfortable thing ever. Uh, but him and this like 18 year old kid just back to back, like you got to see it for yourself. But also even what's even better than that is Brian Kelly's fake accent, his newly developed Southern accent. The moment he stepped uh, in Baton Rouge, the moment he stepped on campus at LSU, he went from this Catholic man to now he's a, a Southern Bayou boy, which I, I guess you got to fit the culture, but whatever. Um, Anyway, though, back to the point. Notre Dame is incapable of winning a national championship, and I think they're incapable of winning big bowl games, which we'll get to in a bit because I am definitely picking against them this year. A little little spoiler on the card um, before we get into it. A couple more things, though. What we learned this season is that defense does not always win you championships. You know, the, Of course, you know the cliche saying defense wins you championships, but look at the teams like Iowa. Wisconsin, Georgia, three of the top five defenses in the country, without a doubt, probably. Maybe not. Iowa may have slipped up in the last week. They may have fallen out of the rankings a little bit. But still, all in all, great defenses. Um, Even Oklahoma State, you could add them to this list. Oklahoma State is a top five defense in the country, and none of them won a conference title. None of them. Not a single one. Uh, Wisconsin didn't. Oh, wait. Yeah, Wisconsin didn't make it, actually, now that I'm trying to think. Because it was, yeah, it was Iowa and uh, Michigan. I don't know why I blanked on that. Wisconsin didn't make it. Iowa made it at least, but they didn't win. They got obliterated 42-3. to Georgia, they made it, but they lost to Bama. Blew their chance at a perfect season, or regular season at least. And Oklahoma State, they, they had a playoff ticket if they won, but they didn't. So these are all top defenses, but they got bested. And also, I think Oklahoma State is kind of an outlier for this part of the equation. But the other teams like Iowa, Wisconsin, Georgia are not too great on offense, especially Iowa and Wisconsin. They're pretty, pretty horrendous. Iowa definitely takes the crown. It's like embarrassing sometimes. Iowa's offense looks like a JV football team practicing sometimes. It's quite, it's questionable to say the least. Um, And then last but not least, to aside from the defenses, what we learned this season, sports betting wise, is that fading the public is an incredibly profitable system in a very basic system at that. I don't make system plays all too much. And if you're unfamiliar with systems in sports betting, it's essentially, um, how do I describe it? Like equations, like mathematic equations. And there's a bunch of different factors that have to match the pick. So for example, it has to be like wind between 15 and 20 miles per hour, where the over under is between 50 and 60 and the team has hit the over in the last two games, something like that. So if like all of those factors match up, then you take that line, regardless of what you think, you just take it based on that system. And it's like over a long, long, long period of time, it proves to be a winning system. A lot of them that are like actual systems that stay intact have like a 56 to a 61% win percentage in some cases. But 
I don't typically make very many system plays. I typically just, I don't want to say I'm a square in terms of like, I just go with whatever lines I want. I do try and think like a sharp sometimes analyzing like, you know, public action, line movement, um, all, all that jazz to try and make my picks. Like sometimes I, I straight up bet on picks that I just don't think are going to happen, but based on line movement and like just weirdness and the spreads, all that jazz, you know, you just got to take it sometimes because Vegas knows best. And you, once you do it for a while, you learn, you kind of learn how to navigate it and figure out what are trap lines, what to stay away from, yada, yada. But fading the public is a very simple system. There's literally no other factor other than seeing like 70 plus percent of the money or of the public betting on one side of the spread. Because Vegas always tries to get it even, even like 50, 50, because they'll make money if it's 50, 50 because of the juice, the 10% juice when you bet. But if it's 80, 20, then Vegas is going to have a payday. Vegas is going to have a payday because they're probably going to like set the line to sway people. It's a whole thing. Like they're going to set the line in a certain way to sway people one way because they know the public is going to take one side. For example, the UTSA game is a great example of this, this, this year in this bowl game, it's UTSA San Diego state, which I have a pick for. We'll get to it. But UTSA is getting 70% of the public bets because of course the public wants to bet on the little Cinderella team that could, you know, that almost went undefeated that nobody expected to be here. Of course, the public's going to be taking them. So, but they have them favored against a much better team. So, of course, it's kind of like a trap. It's it's a trap. So that's the way to explain it. But in term, that's it for uh, what we learned this season. But in terms of last week's picks, or not last week, it was last time out technically because last week there wasn't a full slate of games. So it was two weeks ago our last official card. It was absolutely terrible. Um, it was bound to happen eventually. This was the first losing record Ryan's Ramble has had since week three. We had 10 week or 10 episodes in a row with a winning record, but it finally came to an end on Championship Saturday with a whopping two and five record. Not too proud of it, but also it is what it is. It, it was bound to happen eventually. Um, it could have been worse. I mean, I could have gone 0-7, I guess. So I'll take what I can. My only wins were Bama plus 6.5 against Georgia, and then the only non-title game of the weekend, California, to cover minus 2.5 in the first half against USC. I had a few tough losses as well. Wake Forest against Pitt. They were five points away from hitting the over after having like a 50-point first half or something ridiculous like that. And also Michigan and Iowa, I had under 43 and a half, and they broke it by one and a half points. It was 42 to three. So they finished with 45 combined. That was a bummer. And last but not least, San Diego State got absolutely embarrassed in the Mountain West title game against Utah State. Made me feel silly for even picking them in the first place, but sometimes it happens. At least I didn't sweat it out and then lose in the last second. I knew that pick was done after like the first quarter. They looked bad. Utah State looked amazing, though. Good for them. So last week's record, though, brings me overall to 85-66-2 on the year, which keeps me at a 56.3% win percentage, which is fine and dandy. I'm all okay with that. Um, the dream of hitting 60% win percentage seems to be long gone unless somehow I have, like, a miraculous 20-0 weekend this Saturday or, I mean, over bowl season. But no matter what happens – Unless literally the only possible way is if I go 0 and 20, which 
prayers to the gambling gods that that does not happen. Knock on wood. I'm just knocked on my hardwood floor. Um, that that doesn't happen. But right now we're sitting at an 85, 66, and two record. So it looks like we are in golden position to finish finish the year with a winning record. Now I will say for the bowl game picks, I am incredibly, incredibly nervous to screw up what we've built because it's 56.3%. That's pretty good. That's a damn system right there. 85-66. I'm proud of that. I'm scared we're gonna go like five and fifteen and blow it in the last weekend. Um, you know, either way, it'll be a winning record. It just won't look as pretty, and I want it to look pretty. But I, I don't know. I'm just nervous looking at some of these spreads. I have literally, like I said, twenty picks. A lot of them are tier one. I think it's one, two, three, four. Yeah, so five tier one. Probably the most tier one picks I've ever, I've ever done on a, on an episode. So. We'll see how it goes. I'm kind of proceeding with caution a little bit, but at the same time, it's bowl season. I'm going to be watching every game. I have to have action on nearly every game. So based on last Saturday, though, that or championship Saturday, that's what makes me nervous because I kind of kind of fumbled the bag there. But, you know, as I say, degeneracy runs in my DNA, so nothing's going to stop me from making some picks. I'm going to keep, even though bowl games are a little bit more spread out, um, I'm just going to keep my same tier system, tier three, my least confident picks all the way up to tier one, which are my favorite hammer lock picks of the week, I guess of like the month because it's bowl season. But yeah, so some of these lines pre-warning, I got them a little bit early. I Some may shift by the time you listen to this episode or check it because I know a lot of the lines have been moving like crazy for bowl season, but I tried to do the best I could with like getting the most updated lines to when i recorded it so i'll go ahead and start without further ado with my tier three picks and my first pick is coming out of the la bowl which is utah state versus oregon state and i actually have two picks on this one and they're both going to be in tier three just to make it a little bit easier i had to take a beer break so both my picks in this one i got also pre-warning before i really go into them I'm going to try. I'm not going to really go like super duper deep into detail about most of these because if I do, we will literally be here for like two hours. And I know half the reason you guys listen to this probably is because you want the picks. So we're going to get to the picks. Um, Anyway, Utah State plus seven is my first one. And also I'm taking the under of 67. Utah State is the Mountain West Cinderella team. They looked absolutely amazing against uh, San Diego State in the championship game. Oregon State, meanwhile, is coming off a nine-point loss to Oregon in their in the Civil War rivalry game, which, I mean, honestly, was a pretty good performance for them against a, a solid Oregon team. But I just, I don't, I don't really have much faith in them. I think even though they're favored, I guess they're going to win. I'm tempted to take Utah State money line. I mean, they're the hot hand right now. They're the Cinderella team. We're projected second to last, I think, in the Mountain West. Ended up winning the whole damn thing. So I'm riding with the Aggies. Give me Utah State plus seven and under 67.5. That is just way too many points, Uh, even though Oregon State's kind of been up and down in terms of their combined points all year. But 67.5 is a lot. So I'm taking the under there. Next up, sticking with a Mountain West team, even though I kind of was talking smack about them on getting just absolutely demolished by Utah State, I'm going to be riding with San Diego State Money line as the underdog plus 110 versus UTSA in the Frisco Bowl. This 
the fun pick in this game is obviously UTSA. This is what I was saying. Like, this is the example of a trap game. Obviously, UTSA is going to be the fun pick. The public is all over them. 70% of the public is taking UTSA, which is expected. They're one-point favorites on the spread, but I'm not going to take the spread. I'm taking money line. San Diego State, I think, is going to win this game outright. This is going to, by far, be the best defense that UTSA has faced all season by a mile, and they only put up 23 points against North Texas. So I think San Diego State can hold them, even though I would like to see UTSA have you know that what is it 13 and one season now if they win this which would be great for them but you got to bet with your brain and not with your heart sometimes so I'm taking the Aztecs next up already one of the big boys this is on my tier three though because I'm proceeding with major caution I just had to make a pick in this game it's the Cotton Bowl the playoff game Cincinnati versus Alabama and I'm going to be going with Cincinnati to cover the spread. Now, the spread is plus 13 and a half, but I'm actually going to be buying half a point. So a little bit heavier odds, like minus 120, minus 130. But you're going to be getting plus 14. And I think that is a crucial, crucial, crucial half point in a game of this magnitude, you could say. Betting against Cincinnati in this spot is basically like saying you hate puppies or saying that you hate just anything that's universally loved because I don't Bama is obviously getting most of the bets. 80% of the public is betting on Bama because Bama always shows up in big time games. And Cincinnati's literally a group of five team never played anybody of the caliber of Bama before, but they're the underdog. You got to ride with the underdog. Sometimes I'm going to be actually going to this game uh, because it's in Cowboy stadium. I'm going with my dad, super pumped about that. And you already know I'm going to be throwing money on Cincinnati. You have to. You literally have to. If you bet on Alabama, it's like saying you hate Christmas or or puppies or children's books or, I don't know, happiness. Like, you got to bet on Cincinnati here. Fade the public. Fade Bama. Give me the Bearcats in the biggest game in program history. Oh man, there's a lot of tier one or tier three still to go through. We got all right, Baylor and Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl next. I have two picks in this game as well. I'm going to keep them both in tier three to keep it a little bit easier to sort through. Um, those two picks are Ole Miss money line. The spread is a pick 'em. It is literally neck and neck pick 'em. So I'm taking Ole Miss money line minus one ten odds, and also I'm taking the over of fifty four and a half. I feel like the over is pretty self-explanatory. Ole Miss puts up a ridiculous amount of points. Has had a lot of high-scoring games this year. Um, Baylor on as well, especially in their home games. Baylor not so much on the road this year, which has kind of been weird. But they can they are capable of putting up at least fifty-five points. I am already, and the reason also I'm kind of going with Ole Miss. I don't want to be biased. I really am trying not to be biased, but I'm already envisioning all of the memes and the the Twitter jokes about how beating an SEC team in a major bowl game isn't for everybody in reference to how TCU destroyed Ole Miss 42-3 to in the Peach Bowl back in 2014. So that would be pretty funny if Ole Miss beat them. And I know obviously it's different teams, different scenarios, different coaches, but for meme's sake, it would be funny. So I'm taking Ole Miss money line and also the over there. Now, next up, to round out Tier 3, I have two picks on this one, but one of them is in Tier 2, so I'll just transition straight into that. But first, in the Armed Forces Bowl, Mizzou versus Army, I'm taking the under of 57. 
Um, I think the odds makers got this one spot on here. It makes me a little bit nervous, which is why it's down in tier three, because they are on opposite sides of the spectrum as well. These teams, Mizzou is a very high scoring games usually, and they have a lot of com- high scoring or high combined score. Sorry, I just fumbled my words. You get what I'm saying. They score a lot of points. Okay. And Army on their on the hand, on the other hand, they run the ball a lot. They two clock a lot. Look at their game against uh, Navy last week. Literally the over under was set at 30. I think it closed at 33 and a half and the under still hit. So they have some low scoring games. And also I think Army is the better team here. So Army will control the tempo, which is going to be run first two clock, especially if they get an early lead. That's going to be key, which transitions us into tier two because my first tier two pick is Army minus three and a half to cover the fate. They're, they're favored to cover the spread against Mizzou. Don't let that loss to Navy last week distract you. That was it's one of the biggest rivalries in all of college football. There's so much at stake for those teams and their students, even because they get like a whole free weekend if their team wins. Um, or don't let the fact that Mizzou's an SEC team distract you. Army is about to run it down their throats for at least 300 plus yards on the ground. I think this spread is kind of a gift. Mizzou barely made a bowl game. Army is a pretty solid team this year. I think that Navy game, you got to just scratch it off, have the memory of a goldfish, just forget about it. And they're also going to want to come back and finish the season with a win. So give me Army to cover minus three and a half. Continuing on with tier two, I'm going to be going in the Lending Tree Bowl, which is, in my opinion, a very dumb name for a bowl, but that's the world we live in. It is what it is. <laughs> so I'm going with Liberty minus eight and a half to beat Eastern Michigan. I think this is one of the biggest, if not the biggest mismatch in all of bowl season. Uh, Liberty had a much, much stronger strength of schedule. Plus Malik Willis is bound to go off in this game. He's going to try and raise his draft stock before the combine and everything gets going. So I'm taking the Flames. I think they're the better team here by far. They've played better teams all year. This is a little bit of a big spread for a bowl game, but I think they can cover no problem. It even shifted. It was like minus seven when it first opened, and it's all the way up to minus eight and a half. So get that one while you can before it's at like minus 10 or something crazy. All right, next up on tier two. There's a lot of tier two picks. Oh God, my card is oh, – this, this better go well. Oh, God. Okay, anyway. In the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, we're going to be taking Wyoming minus three to beat Kent State. And really, I don't have much to say about this game other than the Mountain West is better than the MAC, and Wyoming has had a very up-and-down season. They did beat Utah State 44-17. to That's something to note. But then they lost to Hawaii by, like, 24 the next game. They've been a roller coaster this year. But when they're on their game – they're on their game. And if the odds makers have them favored here, I think there's a reason. So I'm going with the Cowboys. Our next bowl game on the list is going to be the Military Bowl, which is Boston College and Eastern Carolina. I'm going to be taking not the spread, but the over of 51 and a half. Uh, this is just really, I don't have much to say about this one. Another one of those gut feeling picks. I think. The market is overvalued, or excuse me, not overvaluing, undervaluing these teams' offenses uh, after they've collectively hit seven unders in their last 10 games combined. But I think they're capable of putting up points, especially ECU. ECU has had some very high scoring games this season. Boston College offense is, 
has been kind of a roller coaster as well. They've been very up and down. But 51 and a half, I like I said, I think it's a little bit too low of a total. So that's why I'm going to take it. I think there's value in it. Give me the over 51 and a half on the military bowl. Whew. I so excuse me if I my voice is a little funky. It's just really congested for some random reason, of course, right as I record, but say lovey. All right, on to another big boy, the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. It is Ohio State versus Utah. And unlike me this week, I'm going to be taking the Buckeyes minus six and a half to beat the Utes and cover the spread. It is very unlike me to bet on Oklahoma, I almost said Oklahoma, Ohio State. But oh my goodness, the spread is an absolute gift. No team in the history of bounce back scenarios like coming out of a loss or like an angry game. You know what I mean? Nobody is going to be as angry and as ready to win as Ohio State or even Michigan after losing the game. It's the biggest rivalry in all of college football. It just ruined their season, ruined their Big Ten title hopes, ruined their playoff hopes. They're going to be pissed and they're going to come out with a vengeance. CJ Stroud also. From a personal note, he probably has a massive confidence boost. He's probably swinging it around right now. He's he has so much swagger after this is his team now. Casey Thompson, or, oh, I don't know where my head's at, bro. I just said Casey Thompson. You know what I meant, Quinn Ewers, because I'm thinking about Texas. Quinn Ewers transferred to Texas, which means this is C.J. Stroud's team now. He's going to be super confident. He's going to go and he's going to ball out in this game. I know Utah looked phenomenal against Oregon, but Ohio State is a different breed, which I also recognize kind of sounds like bullshit because Oregon beat Ohio State. But college football is weird like that, okay? It's, it's, it's weird. It doesn't work like that. This matchup is actually going to be a very entertaining matchup, honestly. I'm excited to see it. But I think Ohio State is going to win by at least a touchdown, maybe 10 points. All right, on to the next. I got a little bit excited on that one. It is the Citrus Bowl. We got Kentucky minus three. I'm taking them to cover the spread over Iowa. Iowa's offense is just so, so, so bad. And Kentucky actually has a pretty solid defensive unit. Uh, at one point, they were top five early in their season. I think they're still top 25. Don't quote me on that. I think they're still top 25 defense in the country in, to- in terms of total defense. But they have slipped up a little bit from the beginning of the season. Because, I mean, they started 6-0, then 6-3, then 9-3. and But I this is a gift of a line, really. Um, I think Kentucky minus three, they could, it may be a push, maybe a close game just because Iowa's defense is that good. But I also think that Kentucky has more to play for here. Kentucky wants to prove that they are a relevant football program. They have risen up. I mean, especially in the SEC, that's nuts. Good for them. 9-3 and three for a Kentucky team in the SEC, that's nuts. If you would have told me that 10 years ago, I would not have believed you even five years ago. Probably I would not have believed you in terms of the public betting public is 50 50 right down the middle on the spread, but Kentucky is receiving 88% of the money, which indicates huge sharp action. That's a 38% difference in terms of the money. So we're going to be following the money there and taking the Wildcats to cover in the citrus bowl. Uh, we're to the end. Our last one in tier two is another one of the big boys, a playoff game, the Orange Bowl, Georgia versus Michigan. And I actually have two picks. First up, I'm taking Michigan to cover the spread plus eight and a half. And I'm also taking the under of 45. And I know life's too short to bet the under, yada, yada. 
But this, I think it's a recipe for an under. Um, also a recipe for cover for Michigan. Michigan is a wagon. They're underrated. They just beat Ohio State and thrashed Iowa. I mean, 42-3 to in the title game? Yikes. They're a wagon right now. Their confidence is riding high. Harbaugh's confidence is riding high. Michigan's offense is, in terms of the over-under, it's not going to be as fast-paced. It doesn't have as much explosive play potential as Bama does like they did against Georgia in the SEC championship game. I think they're going to run the ball a lot more and try and play this a little bit more methodical, especially against a defense like Georgia's. And Michigan's defense is not too shabby either. I mean, they're ranked number 12 in terms of total defense in the country and have also given up the fourth least touchdowns in the country. So I think it's going to be a slow-paced dogfight of a game, which is going to lead to the under. I know it's not as fun to root for that kind of game. You want to see touchdowns. You want to see points. But this is, again, betting with my brain and not my heart. Uh, I, I think that the market did not overcorrect whatsoever. It was not phased by that Bama-Georgia score. This is about right where I thought it would be. And also Michigan, that's a lot of points. Plus eight and a half, that's a lot of points for a playoff game. So give me the Wolverines. I'm taking them in the Orange Bowl. I'm kind of scared, though, because I'm going with both underdogs in the playoff games. But the dogs are coming to bark, baby. You guys see those TikToks? You see these dogs up in your yard? Snow them upstairs going hard. Bing bong. All those. Those are classic. I need to get like a bing bong parlay going or something. Might have to cook that up. All right. Moving on now to tier one. Our favorite picks of bowl season. I have one, two, three, four, five of them. And we're going to be starting out with the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Very small bowl, but it is Old Dominion and Tulsa. I'm actually going to be taking Old Dominion plus 10. Even though the spread is plus nine and a half, I'm going to be taking the Monarchs to uh, to cover. Or, I mean, sorry, not to cover, but to buy half a point. So if, you, if you're unfamiliar with that, we do it quite a bit on Ryan's Ramble. Buying half a point, um, it gives you the heavier odds, like minus 120, minus 130, but it gives you that half a point towards the spread. So if Old Dominion loses by 10, it'll be a push rather than a loss if we were to take plus 9.5, which, as we've learned over the course of this season, every half a point matters, and we're taking plus 10 for this spread. The Monarchs are a wagon. They started the season 1-6 and six with absolutely no bowl game hopes. Yet they went on a five-game win streak to finish 6-6. Six and six. They have covered the spread in their last six games. Even though Tulsa has definitely played the better teams, definitely has a little bit better resume, and they did just beat SMU despite all the Sonny Dykes drama. You could, that's not really drama, but all the Sonny Dykes stuff. Um, I, just, I think Tulsa will probably win, but 10 points is a lot. And you got to go with the hot hand. ODU, they're going to put up a fight regardless. you got to go with the hot hand here. Give me Old Dominion to cover plus 10. Next up is the Frisco Football Classic, which honestly, I don't really understand how there's a Frisco Football Classic and a Frisco Bowl. I don't I don't really get it. I guess I don't pay enough attention. But it is UNT North Texas versus Miami of Ohio, and I'm going to be taking the over of 54, and I really don't have a lot to say about this one. They score a lot of points. It's a lower number than I would have expected here. That's that. I'm taking the over. Next up is really one of my favorite, favorite picks. Um, is It's in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl, which is probably the dumbest name for a bowl game on this entire list. But advertisements, I get it. It is what it is. 
West Virginia plus four versus Minnesota. I am very, very surprised to see the Mountaineers as underdogs here. I know they've had a pretty up and down season, but also 80% of the public is on Minnesota, which blows my mind. I mean, I guess it makes sense because they beat Wisconsin last week and Wisconsin, but I think Wisconsin was heavy overrated, like mad overrated. And Wisconsin, or not Wisconsin, Minnesota, I mean, overall it's been like a really tough team to pen, which makes me skeptical to take them as a favorite, especially when 80% of the public, like it blows my mind that 80% of the public are with Minnesota. I really would not have thought so. I know they beat Wisconsin, who was overrated last time out, but they also dropped games at home to Illinois against their third string quarterback. It was like 14 to six. And they also lost to Bowling Green. And they were 31 point favorites in that game. Like the biggest upset money line wise of the year. Nuts. Like that's not a team that I want to put money on. So Mountaineers, I know a little bit more about them. I have a little bit more faith in them more trust. It's also a fade to public pick. I'm taking the Mountaineers to cover plus four. I think they're the better team. All right, on to the next one is the pinstripe bowl being played at Yankee Stadium. We got a decent matchup, actually. Um, I think they're both 6-6, six six, but it'll be a fun game to watch, I feel like. It's very close in terms of the spread. It's uh, Maryland, it's Maryland, Virginia Tech. I'm taking Maryland money line at minus 120. They are one-point favorites, but I don't really want to risk a push if they win by one. I'm just going to take the money line. It's not too juicy, minus 120. That's all right. Um, I never really confidently bet on Maryland. I think I lost like three bets on Maryland over the course of the season on the Terps. But this bowl season, I feel like I can. Uh, Virginia Tech's going to be without Justin Fuente. They just lost to Miami two games ago, for God's sake. I know they beat Virginia, but that's a rivalry game. I kind of discount those in terms of betting and, and trends and form. But I'm also following the money with this pick, and I'm also betting on Tagoviola. I I forget how to say his first name, but you all know Tag Viola. He's a beast. He's been putting up numbers, even though Maryland's been losing. Um, and like I said, I'm following the money here. 45% of public bets is on the Terps, which is the minority. But, and this is a big but, 91% of the money is with the Terps, which is huge difference. Huge, sharp action indicators. We're following it. I'm get, I'm going with Maryland to win and get that winning season in the pinstripe bowl. Now, on to our last pick of the card. It feels good. We got through them. It is going to be in the Fiesta Bowl, another one of the big boys. And this might be my absolute favorite pick. And I might just be, you know, a homer for the Big 12. And you know me, if you've listened to any episode this year, you probably know my hatred for Notre Dame just as a program in general. Uh, so I'm going with Oklahoma State plus two against Notre Dame. I originally had Oklahoma State money line picked out, which was plus 120, I believe. Um, but whenever you're gifted, granted a two-point cushion, why not take it? There's really not much difference between minus 110 on plus two and taking the money line of plus 120. So I'm taking that little two-point cushion just in case some flu shit happens. You never know. I think Notre Dame is going to get exposed yet again. I'm honestly surprised they're favored after all the head coaching stuff. Because, I mean, I think Freeman is going to be coaching, their old defensive coordinator. I think he's going to be the head coach in the bowl game. But, like, Brian Kelly's gone. A lot has changed. Their players have been all over the media, been doing podcasts and stuff, talking about Brian Kelly, which is just 
not normal. I feel like they're distracted right now. They missed out on the playoffs, so they they, they by like one spot. They don't really have much to play for. Oklahoma State, on the other hand, they're probably going to be pissed. I mean, they literally had a, a golden ticket to the playoffs ripped away for them by, what was it? I think like an inch, like two inches on that last play of the game. Nuts. Nuts game. But Notre Dame, like I said, they're going to get exposed in this bowl game like they always do. Since 2016, they are 2-3 and three in bowl games. But those three bowl games were major bowl games, such as the Fiesta Bowl that they lost. And they lost all three of them by an average of 20 points each. Their only two wins were in non-major bowl games like the Camping World Bowl or whatever it is over in that stadium. But, yeah, so they they don't show up for these big-time games. Oklahoma State, I think, is going to come out with a little bit of a vengeance. And also, for some odd reason, again, I don't believe why or how, 86% of the public is siding with Notre Dame. Like a bunch of dinguses. Like, what? I can't believe that, honestly. I'm going to be taking Oklahoma State with a lot of confidence. They're probably my favorite pick on this entire card. But that is going to be the last pick of the card. This is by far the biggest, most amount of picks we've had on any episode. So hopefully that doesn't bite us in the ass. Uh, Hopefully that, you know, granted to be a good decision on my end. But there's just so many games I couldn't help it. I was overwhelmed. It was like a kid in a candy store looking at all these games. Even though TCU is not in bowl season, it'll still be fun to watch everything. I hope everybody listening, I probably won't have any episode um, next week. I think what I'm planning on doing is having this be like my big bowl game special. And at the once all the bowl games are done, I'm going to do an episode kind of doing a year in review where I break down my record, not only my full year record, but also my record um, in terms of tier three record, tier two, tier one, because, you know, I kind of want to see, and I'm sure maybe you guys might be curious what, you know, the difference is if my tier one was really a better win percentage than my tier three or what? Cause who knows? I mean, even though they're my most confident picks, that doesn't always mean anything. Granted, I have had a decent amount of success with tier one picks. And so I would hope that it's the best record, but alas, You'll see all that. I'm going to do that at the end of bowl season, do like a year in review. And also, if there's anything you guys want to see in that last episode, let me know because I won't have any games to pick. It'll be more so just looking back on the year and the picks we had. I may also break down specific records such as my record on over-unders, my record on spread bets, my my underdog records, like detailed. I can do it all on this fancy little app I have. So it'll it'll be a grind, but it'll be worth it. I'm kind of curious to see all the the info and the numbers but anyway since i won't be talking to you until after the holidays happy holidays have a merry christmas um hope everything goes well for you and your families over the break um and i can't i'm excited thank you again for another great season doing this i was just so thankful to have this opportunity and be able to do it i love doing this every week i know it's just kind of me literally sitting in my room talking to myself on a computer screen but I get to talk about sports betting, which I don't get to do all the time because often that's why it's called Ryan's Ramble because whenever I ramble about sports betting, eventually everybody's going to be like, okay, okay. But in this terms, it's okay. I can just talk and talk and talk. So thank you to everybody that's listened and thank you to everybody that's commented, followed along, everything. I will be back. This isn't the last episode. I'll be back right after bowl season. But for now, just want to say happy holidays and I will see you guys in around a month, a couple weeks after bowl season.